Okay, good morning. Well, are you guys all ready? Yes. All right. Well, this is going to be part seven, I think it is, as we continue our series on talking about the gospel of his kingdom. The gospel of his kingdom. Uh, just a couple of notes of announcements. Uh, we will have Bible study tonight at six. Uh, and then next week, uh, we'll, be, we'll be in February, we'll be starting on Saturday night, a uh, new Bible study at 6 p.m., uh, sharper than a two-edged sword, and then we won't have Bible study next Sunday night, uh, not in necessarily honor of Super Bowl, uh, but uh, we will be away uh, spending some time with family. So anyway, uh, anyway, uh, that's just kind of announcements for this coming weekend. Now, Leos will continue to resume on uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, but we're not going to have our Leos on Saturday as we have a new Bible study that we're going to be starting. So anyway, uh, here we are, Gospel of the Kingdom of God. Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. And I'm going to read a little bit of text this morning. Sixteen, and just going to read some context here and make some comments on a couple of verses as we get into this. Okay, so verse sixteen says, uh, "Now when we, this is Paul, we Paul, Luke, and those who were with him, came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him." And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. And so when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, <clears throat> though I have done nothing against our people, or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the help of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And they said to him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect, we know that it was spoken against everywhere. Verse 23. And so when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, from both the law of Moses and the prophets, and from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things that which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed from Paul, 
And I said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah, the prophet to our father, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these, these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Verse 30. And then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all those who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ without confidence and no one forbidding him. We'll go back to verse 23. Excuse me as I scroll back up. And I read verse 23 again. It says, And so when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. Now there's a lot I could expand here, and I'm going to expand on a few of this stuff. First of all, let me just mention, just kind of in passing, he taught from morning to evening. So no one can get on my case for being long-winded. I have not kept you from morning to evening uh, speaking. Uh, but anyway, uh, Paul, they came to him under the circumstances, and Paul having an opportunity to preach, he spent the entire day teaching about the kingdom of God. In weeks past, we have talked about how John the Baptist went about preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. We talked about how Jesus preached the same message of the gospel of the kingdom. We have taught how he had sent the twelve, and sent the seventy, and had sent the church. And here in the book of Acts, we see that Paul himself also spoke of the kingdom of God. And he spoke of the kingdom of God, and also concerning Jesus. And he spoke on the kingdom of God. Notice this. He spoke on the kingdom of God concerning Jesus. Now, let me, before I make this point, let me make this point. That he spoke about the kingdom of God, but he also spoke about the king. Who's the king of the kingdom of God? Jesus. Jesus is the king. So he didn't just speak of the kingdom. He spoke of the king. And he spoke of the kingdom. And the king, this is the point I want to make, is that he spoke of the kingdom and the king using the law of Moses and the prophets. What's the law and the prophets? See, a lot of us who preach grace sometimes have spoken negative about the law and the prophets. And I've talked about this in past times, but all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for the man of God might be truly equipped for a good work. When Paul and Jesus use the, and here in this case Luke is using, writing the book of Acts, use the word scripture, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. In a sense it was starting to circulate through letters and epistles. 
But by this time of late in Paul's ministry, some of those have already circulated in the churches. But they consider, and you and I consider scripture concluding in the Testament, and, and I can concur with that. But the, when they wrote these words, and when they taught the Word of God, and when they, they taught on the kingdom of God, they used the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a foreshadow. But if you understand the gospel, it the Old Testament will proclaim the gospel and the kingdom, and it will proclaim the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. We don't keep the law to become holy. But the law, when you study the law, especially the Levitical law, about the sacrifices and the, the uh, different things that they did, it all points to Jesus. And it all points to the kingdom of God, how it operates. Okay? That makes sense? Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I'm more just really highlighting again that not only did Jesus and the apostles uh, preach on the kingdom of God, but Paul did too. He spent the entire day with them. And those who would listen, when we got down to verse 30, he, and those who would listen, those who would believe, he spent, without being prohibited, he spoke on the kingdom of God. Jesus, we spoke in times past in Acts chapter 1, Luke writes also that Jesus, before he was ascended, between the resurrection and ascended, he spent 40 days teaching the disciples on the kingdom of God. Now, in weeks past, we've been talking a lot about the kingdom of God. And I've thought about that in that order on purpose. And in some ways, we've already kind of tackled this, but I want to tackle this a little more directly. I want to start talking about how does the kingdom of God work? That makes sense? We have addressed the fact that the kingdom of God is here. And we will continue, and based on that premise, that we will continue to teach how the kingdom operates. It's here, and we need to have that revelation. We, we talked about some things in, in weeks past, that we, unless we are born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. We cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's going to be hard for me to talk about how the kingdom of God works, if we don't see the kingdom of God, if we have not entered the kingdom of God. That makes sense? How can you talk about something working when you can't even see it? And unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But just now that you see the kingdom of God and you're born again, and you're seeing, and my whole purpose, or one of my main purposes of teaching the last three weeks, is so that we can see. We have a kingdom perspective. We see things differently. We don't see things from a natural perspective. We see things from a, a biblical, a kingdom perspective. Because the kingdom of God is here. We have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We are born again. His kingdom is here. Okay? Um, and so, uh, that's what I want to focus on. And one part of my point this morning already has been that the kingdom, the preaching and teaching of the kingdom of God is a priority. It was a priority for Jesus it was a priority for the, uh, the, the apostles, and it was a priority for Paul, who was also an apostle. Okay? I just want to recap a couple of things that we talked about. There's not all the things that we talked about in the last few weeks, but we have talked about how the kingdom of God is by invitation. Another way of saying that, that it's not mandated. It's not, by, it's not forced. You are invited to enter the kingdom of God. You are invited to see the kingdom of God. You are invited to pray His kingdom come, His will be done. You are invited to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
you are invited to, to seek first and foremost the kingdom rule and reign of God in your life, in your family, in your life. It's not by force. Yes, there will come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. So there is a day that will come that it will, it will be by force. There will be one kingdom and there will be one king. But the kingdom of God is here. And, and right now it's by invitation. But the kingdom of God is greater than any other kingdom. Okay? And the kingdom, but, but, but even though the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God must be pursued. We must seek first and foremost his king and his reign and his rule in our lives. Okay? Uh, we must seek, we must pray his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've also talked about when this kingdom of God is working in our lives, we're going to see opposition. We're going to see opposition from the world and other kingdoms. We're going to see opposition from the church and persecution. Okay? We're going to, uh, the, when we, our purpose may not be to stir up trouble. Many times in Paul's ministry and even Jesus' ministry, they were not trying to stir up trouble. But how many times did we see among the Jews, among the religious leaders, that when the kingdom of God was preached through Jesus and Paul and others, that it stirred up trouble? The whole reason why Paul was in this mess about appealing to Caesars wasn't because of Roman. They found nothing wrong with the man. Pilate found nothing wrong with Jesus. And Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, we would have stopped you. I'm paraphrasing that. But his kingdom is not of this world. Excuse me. Okay? Um, but we're not here to stir up trouble. But when the kingdom of God is activated in our lives, and we are preaching, and we are demonstrating, and we are living the kingdom of God, it will stir up opposition. Jesus told, in the context of uh, 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 the religious leaders deriding him for speaking to the publicans and sinners, Jesus made a comment uh, at the end of that conversation said that it is impossible that offenses won't come. And if we will preach the kingdom, and actually I think, and uh, if I can reverse it, if we're not preaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God and we are not seeing opposition, then I have a question, what, what message are we preaching? We are not doing it to stir up opposition. But when we preach and demonstrate the kingdom of God, opposition will be stirred up. That makes sense? We're not advocating that. But at the same point in time, if you're going against the flow, that could be a good thing. We're not trying to stir up trouble. But at the same point in time, if you're not having opposition, then the chances may be you are going with the flow. That makes sense? Hopefully that makes sense. Um, and then another thing that we talked about is that you have value to God. You have value in this kingdom. We talked in weeks past that to be, at God, every man has value to God. And unless we see our value to God, we are not going to see our God, other people's value to God. And we're going to be in opposition with other people. That makes sense? But if you're having a problem uh, being given along with your fellow man, then chances are you have a misconstrued perception of how God values you. You love because he first loved you. You need to get that in alignment. You need to know how much God loves you and how much God values you so that you can have love and value for your fellow man. You cannot have, you cannot have a proper perspective 
of God's value to you and treat your fellow men any different. That is wrong. And John says anyone who's like that, they are a liar. Okay. That's a whole mess message I would love to teach, but I'm not going to go there again today. We've also talked about in passing that the, the kingdom of God is not political. It's not natural. It's not physical. Uh, natural twice in my notes. It's, it's spiritual. It's universal. It's heavenly. It's progressive. It's not of this world, as, as Jesus said. Okay? But I've taught all of that to get to where we're at going now to talk about a little more. And we're not going to... We're just going to barely touch some of the surface this morning. But I want to talk about how the kingdom of God works. We talked about the kingdom of God is here. But let's just talk about it a little bit more how the kingdom of God works. It's a very simple message this morning. I'm still developing some of my notes. So um, more to come in the following weeks. But let's go uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Making sense so far? Some of what I've talked about all somewhat of a recap, kind of switching some gears and some uh, direction this morning. And this is kind of somewhat of an introduction of what we're going to be going, okay? As we switch gears here. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And um, we're just going to read one verse here and it kind of springboards some thoughts. I love this whole chapter and the whole context that starts way back in chapter 2, 3. But I'm just going to pick it up in verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure, an earthen vessel, earthen, earthen vessels, excuse me, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now there's a lot in that. That's a powerful statement. It says, But we. Who's we? we. Us. The church. Not just me and not just you. But we who are in Christ. We we're not going to have. We not could have. We not should have. But if we are in Christ, we have the, the, and this treasure. And this treasure is in these earthen vessels. What's the earthen vessel? Us. The earth. We are made of earth. We are made of dust. The earth is filled with his glory. And we have in this earthen vessel, in us, because the kingdom of God is not there, the kingdom of God is not here, but the kingdom of God is where? Within us. This treasure in this earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of who? God. This treasure that's in us and not of us. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within us. And so therefore within us is this treasure. That the power of God may be of him. The power may be of him. And not of us. That makes sense? We need to know that we have it. We, know, we need to know that it's within us. We need to know that it's here. But we also need to know that it's not us. It's him who is in us. That makes sense? We need, we need, to, get the, we need to get the parameters straight. And we, when, we, when we have everything in its right perspective, then we need to use what we have. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That makes sense? Okay? Um, so one thing I'm trying to bring out 
and I've been trying to bring out, and I want to continue to bring out, is that the kingdom of God is not just a theory, but it's a reality. It's here. It's in us. We can experience it. We can use it. It is a power. It's not just a theory. It's not just a fantasy. It's not just Christianese language. The kingdom of God is real, and the kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of God is within us. So we must understand that the kingdom of God, the God is the power, not you. God is in you. And as Paul says in Ephesians 5.30, that we are one flesh with him. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And so in that sense, it's hard to separate the two. But the source is the seed. The source is him, not us. Okay? We, put, we have faith in his grace, not of ourselves. We're not boasting in us. But we're not just flesh and blood anymore. We are born again. But we're born again of his nature. We're talking about the kingdom of God in us. But more specifically, we're talking about him in us. He's the power. He's the source. We can't, in and of itself, even if you know scripture, but you don't realize that the power is God and not of you. But in you, in these earthen vessels, we have a treasure. That the excellence of this power may be of God and of us. This, but he needs a temple. He needs a body. The body of Christ. He needs a people. He needs uh, 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 this vessel. But the power is of God. We, and the fact that he's in us, we're cleansed. God's power, God's presence cannot dwell in an unholy vessel. We are holy because of him. We are holy because of his blood. But he has filled this vessel that without him is useless. Without him is, has, is not, uh, of no value. But because we are of him and we were valued that he would make his abode in us. That he would make his abide in us. That we would abide in him and he abide in us. That the excellence of his power may be of God and not of us. But because it's of God, and because he is in us, we have all the power that we need. We said, it says in John 1, 16, I think that's the address, it says, of his fullness we have received grace of grace. It says in Ephesians 3, 19, that when we know the love of Christ, it surpasses intellect knowledge, that we will be filled with all the fullness of God. And to him who is able to do far above beyond that we could ever think or imagine, according to the power of that is in us. According to the power that is, not can be, not will be, not should be, but that power that is in us. That makes sense? Philemon 1.6 says that the communication of faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge the every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. This is talking about it's the same language, just using another illustration of the virgin vessel. But basically, we are, the communication of our faith becomes effectual when we acknowledge that the excellency is of God and not of us. But we need to acknowledge that. We have to connect with that. We have to realize with that. Otherwise, uh, it, it, 
the power is there, but there's no there's no activation. There's no effectiveness of that power. That makes sense. Okay. Um, for example, and I'm just gonna use this example. When you are caught up in a sin or an addiction, you can't set yourself free just by willpower. You need the power of God to set you free. And he who knows the truth, the truth will set them free. But you got to know it. you got to have a relationship with you. The only, thing, the only thing that can set you free, the only thing that can heal you, is the power of God. But we have to know it. The excellence, the, we're not the power. Religiously, or any other way, we cannot set ourselves free from sin. It's the power of God that sets us free. Same thing with healing. We don't heal us. We don't heal one another. But the power of God in us heals one another. And the power of God in us heals our body. Same thing with finances. Same thing with everything else. That makes sense? Okay? I'm, I'm making sense this morning. Um, here's another way of looking at it. Um, is that a lot of times when we fail, we make mistakes. And sometimes, habitually, we make the same mistakes over and over again. A lot of times when we fail, we have a tendency to give up and quit. Why? Because in the moment, we are focusing on us and on the power. Our flesh naturally wants to condemn ourselves and give up and quit. It's called a ministry of death, ministry of condemnation. It wants to quit. But that's not us. That's not the, that's not the right answer. See, and sometimes we are having we think, and sometimes we are taught that not only do we give up on ourselves, but because of the way that we keep behaving, that God has given up on us. That too is not true. I'm not giving excuse to sin, but getting free from sin is not beating yourself up and trying to control your sin. The way you, you walk in the Spirit not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The key to walk, being free from the flesh, lust, and I'm not just talking about addiction and sin, but I'm talking about wrong thinking. Being depressed, being discouraged, um, giving up, accepting. You know, we can't. We should not accept sickness anymore. We should accept sin. We should not accept anything that Christ has redeemed us from in the cross. We should not say, "Lord, you take my sin, but I'll hold on to my sickness. I'll hold on to my lack." That is ludicrous. That is wrong. We should not. We should. We hate sin and we love the sinner. We hate sickness and we love the sick. But we are not going to put up with anything that Christ has redeemed us from. But the power is not it, by the flesh controlling the flesh. Walk in the spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus that what is flesh is flesh and what is spirit is spirit. Unless we're born of God, uh, born again of, of the spirit, we cannot see the kingdom of God. And when we're trying to conquer things by the flesh, in that instance, in that moment, we are not seeing the kingdom of God. We are seeing the kingdom of darkness. 
control our lives and dominion our lives in that area, in that instance, whether it be a habitual sin or failure or, or sickness or whatever. No, the kingdom of God, darkness, is not going to reign over my body. It's not going to reign over my finances. It's not going to reign over my behavior, my thoughts. I have a say about that. And by the, key, by, the, by the Spirit of God who is in me, this treasure and this earthen vessels, I command it to bow to, in the name of Jesus. I will walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I'm born of God. I'm born of the Spirit. Because what is flesh is flesh. What is Spirit is Spirit. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we know no man no longer after the flesh. Because, he, um, behold, uh, and I'm trying to quote the verse, I just had a blank. Because um, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. I'm paraphrasing. Um, but I, yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. We, are, we need to behold, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And in this creation, in these earthen vessels, is a treasure. And it's not of God. It's not of man. It's not of us. It's of God. That make, that make sense? Okay. Um, moving along. We need to see, again, this point, is that the kingdom of God is not just a theory. It's a reality. The kingdom of God needs to be real to us. And that's very important. If everything I'm talking about the kingdom of God is just words on a page. It's just a theory. It's just a philosophy. Then it's not going to have it, its effectiveness. The communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. We need to see that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within us. We need to see that it is a reality. It is more real than you, it's, in a sense, or your flesh. It's more real than your circumstances. If you're born again, you are more real than your circumstances. Because your circumstances are natural. But you are born again. That makes sense. I just kind of got that revelation there. But it's just, uh, we need to realize that the kingdom of God, the spiritual realm, is more real than anything else. Within this earthen natural vessel is a treasure, and it is more real, it is more powerful, and it has dominion in our lives, okay? Um, that's why John the Baptist, when Jesus preached, repent, change your mind, change the way you think, because the kingdom of God is here. Uh, without God, we are nothing, we have nothing, we are nothing. Let's go real quick. Uh, I'm not quite done with this thought before I go to the next thought. Galatians 2, 16 to 20. We talked about this many times and we quoted it. I haven't gone here. I don't think I've turned here during this series, but I've talked about it a lot. Is, Paul says, Knowing that a man is not justified or made declared righteous by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Verse 20, excuse me, I'm going to scroll. 
I, Paul speaking, have been crucified with Christ. We can all speak, we can all make that statement. We have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it is no longer I who live, but Christ. This treasure lives in me. And the life which I now live, and now is when? Now. The life I, live, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life we live, we live by this Christ. By this faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. In other words, I'm trying to paint out the picture. We are not without him. See, without him, we are nothing. But we're not without him. And in the flesh, see, if you operate in the flesh, you will become frustrated. If you try to operate in the flesh, you will become frustrated and that it's not effectual. In other words, you're going to find something else effectual and it's not what you want. Okay, that makes sense? But we need to know who we are. We need to know what we have so that we can have confidence in the power of God. That's why I spent a lot of time the last few weeks building that who we are, what we have. I'm kind of recapping some of that as we kind of transition here so that we can have confidence in what we have, who we are. In many ways, what we just what I just said is how the kingdom of God works. We need to know who and what we have. As we acknowledge every good thing that's in us, the kingdom of God will become effectual. But uh, that is the key. That is the foundation. See, when I'm weak, He is strong. That's the theme is throughout the scriptures. We don't have to put on a mask, a religious mask, and try to perform. We trust the gospel. We trust what the gospel reveals. We trust who we are in Christ. We have been crucified with Christ. And the life we now live, we live by the faith of God, by the power of God that's in us. See, we talked in the weeks past. I want to go. We talked in weeks back, and we're going to go back to this verse in Corinthians, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We talked in weeks past from Matthew 13 about the treasure of the, of the, of the pearl, the treasure of the, in the field. We were the, God bought the field, the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Second Corinthians 5 says that he had reconciled the world to himself. Uh, 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 second, I mean, First John chapter two, verse one, that God, like, uh, 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 has reconciled the world to Him. He died for the world. Okay. And so, in other words, none of us have sacrificed anything to get God. We didn't find God. God found us. We were the treasure. But although we were the treasure, within this treasure is Christ. We're not the real treasure in that sense. Christ is. That make sense? He's the treasure within this earthen vessel. We were just an earthen... When he found us, we were just an earthen vessel. 
but he has filled us with his treasure. He has filled us with himself. He is a pearl of great price. That make sense? He purchased us. He purchased the, the field in a, in a sense. He, we are the field in a sense. The people are the field. And he has filled it with his glory. That make sense? See, so there are several scriptures that says that he's the light of the world. There's other scriptures that says that we are the light of the world. Why are we in the light of the world? Because he's in us. We have him. In the flesh we are weak, but in the spirit we are strong. In the flesh we are weak, we are inadequate. But in, the, in Christ is the victory. Okay? But see, again, I'm pointing this one. Everything keeps coming back to John 3 3. Unless we are born again, we cannot see the King of God. You can look at every you can look at all the verses I'm talking about, everything I'm trying to say, and you can look at it from a religi religious mindset. And you you're gonna see a religious mindset and there's gonna be a blindness that you cannot fully see the kingdom of God is here. It's alive, it's real, it's not just a fantasy, it's not something you can do. If you're seeing the kingdom of God properly, you're gonna see that within you is the king. The kingdom of God operates through the king. He's the king of all kings. We have been redeemed, it says in Revelation 5, 9 to 10, that we have been redeemed and made kings and priests. We've been redeemed by his blood and made kings and priests to reign on the earth. Okay? Let's go back to Matthew 13. We've been here a lot in the week past, but I want to go back to the parable of the sower. Okay? Matthew 13, and we're going to pick up in verse 3. I'm going to read a, a big chunk of scripture here. It is, And then he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Verse 5. And some fell on the stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they, had, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and some thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to scroll down and pick up verse, uh, I think, 18. Therefore, he, hear the parable of the sower. And when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed of the stony places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, and that's why it arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and, care, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground 
is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now again, there's a lot here. Excuse me, let's scroll back up to verse 18. He says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Verse 19, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's what we're talking about, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away from a son in his heart, and this is he who receives seed by the wayside. We talked a lot in the week past, too, about receiving with the heart. The heart is the, the, is the soil by which we either receive or reject the Word of God. Okay? Uh, but we need to hear, and, and the Word is the Word of His kingdom. Okay? The Word either goes into the heart of the people, the soil, or it doesn't. It either gets chucked out, or it never, it never sprouts because it's still, it's still uh, it's a pavement. Or it goes in there and gets, it gets chucked out by the kids of the world. Or it goes in and it produces either 100 fold, 60 or 30 fold. The word, the seed, is the same. But whether we hear it, whether we receive it in the heart, whether it's going to produce or not, whether it's going to do, but the power is in that seed. The power is in the kingdom of God. It's the word of the kingdom. But depending on whether it is received will determine whether that seed is received. And how, and we talked about in times past, in both Mark and Luke's translation of this, how we hear and what we hear will determine whether that seed is received. And how that seed is produced. The, that seed is already ordained by God to produce a hundredfold harvest. It is already ordained to do that. But being, it has to be in the right soil. It has to be received for it to produce that. That makes sense? It, it's already destined to do that. But it is not by force. It's not by mandate. It's not by manipulation. But it must be received in the heart. That makes sense? Because we're talking about how the kingdom of God works. It can't work. If it's not received. It can't work if it's not received in the heart. It's not heard and heard properly in the heart. That making sense? See, when it goes in your heart, man, as a man thinketh, so is he. We speak out of the abundance of our heart. Okay? And so, how we think and how we speak is determined what's in the heart. So we need to get the word in our heart. And if we get it in our heart, it will change the way we think and it will change the way we live. If we're not living that right, if we're not thinking the right way, then something else is choking it out of our hearts. Something is enabling it from coming into fruition. The seed is worth power enough. Everything you need for life and godliness is in the knowledge of Him, it's in that seed. That makes sense? But something else is choking it out. It's not the seed. It's your heart. For out of the... It says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. And sometimes, let me just throw this out there, 
The devil will use distractions. The devil will use offenses to choke out the, the word from your heart. How many times have I seen, now, and even at times in my own life in the past, that the word of God was there, the seed was there, but some offense came along and removed the, the seed of God out of my heart so that it was not productive. In other words, he sowed a tear. He sowed something else in my heart. The devil sowed something else in my heart, and that became the dominate with the way I think. That became the dominate of how I lived. That makes sense? See how that works? Um, I have a footnote here for verse 23, so let me just go. Oh, yeah. For he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100-fold, 60-fold, and 30. See, there's also something here that I keep noticing that the bad seed or the, the bad soil or the not so good soil, they, they hear the word of God but they don't understand it. Same thing with uh, verse 23, the good seed or the good soil is those who hear the word of God and understands it. How many people have I seen, both in the church and in the world, kind of snuff at the word of God because they don't understand it? And what they think they understand is not the truth. How are we going to understand the Word of God? Well, we need to be discipled. That's where discipleship comes in. The, the, the apostles spent three and a half years with Jesus. Paul, when he was converted, spent three and a half years in Damascus after he got saved. I'm not saying necessarily that three and a half years is a magic number, but it's a good place to start. And I believe that the rest of our lives will be discipled. We will never, in a sense, arrive in that sense. But we need to have some uh, a season in our lives where we are shutting out other influences and letting the God, Word of God get into uh, the soil of our hearts. How many of us have, have seen or even done it ourselves? We plant a new garden, or we plant a new yard, and we fence it off. Why? It's young. It can't be trampled on. And we don't want the pets to get in there. We don't want uh, other things that we want to protect it. Why it's fragile, it's young. You know, same thing with a, a, a baby or infant. You know, it's young. It's more, it's, it's more fragile, in a sense, in those younger years. Same thing for us who are in Christ. So those of us, been, we, until we're born again, we can't see the kingdom of God. But now that we can see the kingdom of God, we need to be discipled because we're still fragile. That make sense? I mean, even those of us who've been in Christ for a long time, uh, if a man think he stand, take heed lest he fall. None of us are are uh, inceptible to being uh, persuaded by the enemy. At the same point in time, those of us who are grounded in Christ and know who we are, it's going to be a lot harder for the enemy to come in and steal that seed. That makes sense. Until we become strong like an oak tree planted in righteousness. There's a lot there. I uh, don't have time to go through all that. But a couple of observations, observations I want to just notice here, especially from verse 23 about the good seed and even in, in also in context with the bad seed. There's four different kinds of soil. And one-fourth of that soil was good soil. In other words, the chances are, and I'm not making this necessary, this is more just Daveology, but I, I get this, that there's about 25% a quarter of us who will be the good soil, seed good soil. 
But let me say this, and I, I know our church is small, so I'm not just speaking about our church, but I believe that the, the church, those who have received, are just the 25%. I hope I'm saying it right. For, church, for example, let me just use Lawson's church, for example, or Dwayne Sheriff's church. And, and I've heard Dwayne Sheriff say this to his own congregation, is that you are the 25%. You, I'm, talking about the good, I'm talking to the good soil. Um, I'm not saying that in a judgment to the other people. But what I'm saying is, because I am talking to the good soil, I expect in the good soil to see a 30, 60, 100% return. That makes sense? Let me just say this about the, the whole, when it says, a hundredfold, 60-fold. 30-fold, math-fold. The mathematical equation of that is, uh, is uh, I'm trying to get the, for example, it's the 30-fold th the, the should be equated as 3,000%. The 60-fold should be mathematically equated as 6,000%. The 100%-fold, or the 100-fold, should be considered as 100,000%. Here's my point with this. Most of us in the church today, and this is not a condemnation, but this is just a, a, a reality check, we're seeing too little of what God has ordained for us who believe. We're seeing too little of the word of the kingdom. We're seeing too little of the kingdom of God producing and multiplying to its full potential. We should all be seeing 100,000%. That is not a put-down. That is not a judgment statement. That is just a reality check. We are, there is more that we can perceive. The kingdom of God is here. The word of God is here. The, the, that hundredfold is already ordained in that seed in the kingdom of God. We need to acknowledge every good thing that's in us so that it can become effectual to its full potential. We're seeing too little. In our bodies, in our energy, our attitudes, our behaviors, our finances, and much more. We're seeing too little. Okay? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I also want to notice that when we preach the word of the kingdom, <coughs> when we preach the gospel, the gospel, the word of the kingdom will have effect in our lives. Because in this treasure, is a seed. And this treasure is a seed and the word of his kingdom. And the excellence of the power is of God, not of us. The excellence of the power is that seed, not us. The soil is not the excellence of the power. The seed is. But the soil needs to receive and nurture and water and receive that seed. So many times, I, I wish I calculated Throughout the whole context of Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, both the, the, the delivering of the, the, the par of the parable and the explanation of the parable, Jesus repeats himself multiple times, he who hears the word. We need to hear the word. We are in a microwave generation. We are so, a lot of us are very distracted, not only with our time, but even with our thoughts. We are flooded with all kinds of stuff. 
Some of us can't even sleep at night because we got so much we're thinking about. <clears throat> and our thoughts, our minds, our hearts are polluted with a lot of stuff that we need to let the kingdom of God reign in our minds. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it will flow the issues of life. The kingdom of God is here. And within the seed, within the soil, is the kingdom of God. If we can even get ourselves, our minds wrapped around that, the kingdom of God, the king of all kings, is in us. His seed. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm, a, I'm more happy with the 34% than any of the other uh, 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 arenas. But I am not satisfied with even the 34 I want a hundredfold return. And it's not because the seed is not effectual. The only way that the seed is not effectual is if I, I'm not acknowledging every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. I'm not acknowledging the seed. I'm acknowledging other things in addition to the seed. But I'm supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to me. That makes sense? Okay. And again, I want to just go back to that whole, when I talk about choir, I'm talking to the choir. I'm talking to the 25%. I'm not talking to the world. The world is able to receive this message, and there's a time and place to talk about it. But I'm talking to those who you have received the gospel. You have heard the gospel. And for that I applaud. And for that I'm grateful. But I also am imploring you as a pastor, as a teacher, don't settle for less than what God has ordained for you and your family to live. That making sense? I don't want to settle. I don't want to uh, 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 accept to just receive little or too little or not even at all what God has ordained for me. If I want to hear, and I want to see, and I want to receive all that God has for me, that him who has ears, let him hear. That is what I'm trying to get at. Because we're talking about how does the kingdom of God work? The kingdom of God works by the seed. The kingdom of God works by this treasure that is in us. The kingdom of God is the key, it's the seed. That produced the hundredfold and the thir sixty and the thirtyfold, but the so the soil had to receive it. It had to hear it. It had to acknowledge it. It had to receive it. It had to know that this excellency is of God, the seed, the kingdom of God, and not of us. You by yourself is not the power. You are by yourself cannot produce. You by yourself cannot. Uh, uh, Make the kingdom of God effectual. It's the seed. You have to receive the seed. Yes, you are born again. You must see it. You must acknowledge it. You must uh, receive it. But it will do the death. It will do it. it alone. God alone. His excellency that is in you. His treasure. His seed. His word. His kingdom will do the work. But you have to receive it. And not just one time. But as you receive Christ. So walk in Him, so abide in Him, being rooted, grounded, and established in His seed, in His kingdom. That makes sense? As you receive Him, so walk in Him. Continue to walk.
walk. Continue to abide. Continue to make your abode in Him. Continue to come under the shelter, the shelter, the shelter, uh, under the, the, the shadow of His wings. Excuse me, I couldn't get that out. But continue to abide in Him. Continue to water the seed. Continue to be discipled in His Word. Continue to hear His Word. Continue to see His Word. Continue to be reminded who you are. Continue to weed out your heart from all the other garbage the enemy will throw at you. Continue to weed your heart from offense. Continue to weed your heart from distraction and religious uh, tears that might come, try to come at you. Continue to weed your heart because I want the kingdom of God to have its full 100-fold effect in and through my life by the glory of God. That makes sense? You can't be, it can't be choked out. It can't be distracted. The word of God must, word of his kingdom must be received for it to be. It, must, it says, verse 23, but he who received good seed on the good ground is he who hears the word of God and understands it. If you're not hearing it, it's not good sound. If you're not understanding it, it's not good ground. If you're not understanding it, then as a child of God, you need to sit under someone. You need to sit, go somewhere and listen and hear the word of God. We're not the only place. There are a lot of good teachers out there. There are a lot of bad teachers out there. And I'm not judging them. But that's one reason why even through this ministry and I our website is going to be changed soon. And we're going to open all kinds of ways for people to, to hear and listen and be taught. Because we want them. It's not about growing this church. It's not about growing Lighthouse Discipleship Center or David River Ministries. It's about growing the kingdom of God. It is about the seed being received in your hearts. It's about his seed being understood in your heart. So that the kingdom of God can produce a hundredfold, sixtyfold. That is the purpose. That is why we're here. That is my job as a pastor. So that is to cultivate the soil. It is to give the opportunity. But you have to receive it. You have to listen. You have to make the discipline. You have to do the discipleship to receive it. I can't receive it for you. I can feed it to you. I can teach it to you. And I can direct you to other people who can also teach it to you. But I can't receive it for you. That makes sense? Same thing for me. Someone else can't give it for me. Just because I'm a pastor, it's not automatic. I have to receive it. I have to learn it. I have to understand it. And I need to walk in it. That makes sense? Let's go to Isaiah 55 as we kind of wrap this up. Verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10. 
For as the rain comes down and the snow from the heaven, and do not return there, but the water of the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You know, the word is, 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 the, is the word of his kingdom. And when his word is sown in our hearts, because we hear it and we receive it, the word will not return to him void, but his word will water us and it will feed us and his word will prosper us socially, mentally, financially, physically. His word will heal us. His word will set us free. His word will bless our lives. See, the word of God is sown in our heart. And when it gestates, and it germinates, and gestates, and it began to develop a root system. In time it will develop fruit. But it needs to be sown in the heart. It needs to germinate. And it needs to be watered. And just because it's germinating, you don't stop watering. You continue to take care of that. And nurture it. So that it can come to fruition. See, Jesus said in Matthew 4, he's quoting from Deuteronomy, he says, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. He said in John 15, Abide in me, abide in my word, and the things that you ask will be yours. He says in Psalm 120, verse 20, that they were healed by his word. He says in Psalm 119, verse 11, that we hide his word in our heart, that we may not sin against you. It's his word that enables you not to sin, not you. It's that treasure that is in you. It's his word that you've hit in his heart that when sickness tries to come, you rebuke it in Jesus' name. It's his word that's in your heart that you prosper in whatever you ask in his name. He will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's his word. I don't do these things on my own account. I do this because his word has told me to do it. His word has been hit in my heart and that I may not sin against him. Not just in the things that I shouldn't do, but all the things that, the things that I should do. His word has sanctified it says in the scriptures. In other words, I can't separate the word of God from my life, from my thoughts, from my finances, from my health. I cannot separate the word. But I also know this, that his word will not return void. It's the gospel of his kingdom. It's the word of his kingdom. It's the word of the king. And how many of you know that the <coughs> Jesus is the word? And Jesus is king. His word is the king of his kingdom. The word is not the ink. The word is a person. His name is Jesus. And he is the king of the kingdom. I need to receive. If I'm going to receive. If I'm going to operate in the kingdom of God. I need to receive the king. I don't know if we got that. You heard me. So I don't know if we got that. 
if I'm going to receive the word of his kingdom, I'm going to receive his word. Therefore, I'm going to receive the king. Because the word is the king. The king is the word. I got to receive. So in other words, if I'm not receiving his word, I have just rejected the king. Because the king is the word. That makes sense? And so if the kingdom is going to operate from the king, then I have to receive the king, the word. And I have to hide his word, Jesus, this treasure in my heart. And he, he, his word, Jesus, will not return void, but it will accomplish everything that it has. Okay. It will receive everything that God has ordained. The, the secret for your, your overcome sin is the king in you. The secret for you overcoming, uh, for your needs being met financially, physically, is receiving the king. Everything you need for life and godliness is to receive the king of the kingdom. You can't have a kingdom operate if there's no king. And if you have anything in... And if you have everything else in your heart but the Word of God, which is the King, then whatever else you got is going to be dominant in your life. But when He is His Word, is King in my life, and Lord and Savior in my life, everything else will bow and submit to the King. And it will be when Jesus is Lord and Savior in my life, there will be a hundredfold return. But let me echo something I just said, and I finish. Now, a lot of us have been receiving or experiencing too little. We need to receive a hundred thousand percent of return on the seed of God that is in us. I want more. Why do I want more? Just so I can relish my own wealth? No. And I'm not just talking about wealth. I'm talking about uh, life and godliness. But I'm not excluding wealth either. I want to be blessed so that I can be a blessing. We want to do more. We want to reach more. Not so we look good, but we want other people to experience what God is doing in our lives. And he wants to continue to do more. I want you to be able to experience that. I want you to experience everything God has for you. That is why we do this. You know, we haven't, I haven't done this a lot, and probably to my own bad. But, uh, you know, uh, there's not, I'm not just talking about finances here. But if you're online and you're listening today, you can always make a comment on Facebook. When our live, our live stream is going to get better in the next few weeks, uh, and on, on our website, and we'll be actually redoing our website right now. But you can give any time. You can go to uh, dataforministries.org. You can give, be a part of that. You can submit a prayer request. We would love to pray with you. You can do it right there on Facebook. Uh, we can give you the link to everything we're talking about. I'm not talking about giving, taking an offering. But uh, if you want to, though, but you can help us to get this gospel out. We would appreciate that so we can get this word out to other people. Uh, that's what we're about. We also want to, uh, anyway, I can say a lot of those lines, but we're here to be a blessing. God bless you. Let me just pray you out. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you for your truth. Lord, we want the kingdom of God to rule and reign in our lives.
We thank you for the seed of your kingdom and we receive it. Now help us digest it. Help us to grow. Help us to chew it. Help us to digest it. Help us to, to understand your word. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. We give you honor. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you tonight for Bible study. Chances are we'll live stream that as well.